Hey everyone, welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts Peter Fender and myself, Matt Slarchik. This is a podcast where we tackle current health news and hot nursing topics one conversation at a time. If you find any value in this podcast, please give us a follow, like, share with your family, your girlfriend, your sibling, whoever. Please share us and let people know about us because that boosts our share our audience and it keeps on motivating us to keep on producing high quality content how are we doing today pete i'm doing great man we got an awesome episode for you guys in this episode we'd like to introduce to you our guest juliet obodo juliet is a master hypnotherapist an nlp master practitioner and trainer with a mission to help treat heal and transform racism as well as facilitate individual and corporate transformations through brain training how's it going juliet how are you doing today Good. Thanks for having me. How are you all doing? We're doing good. Got off our three in a row on our shift. So, you know, now we're, honestly, we're off for one day. Then we're back for two. So not a long stretch, but, you know, it's always good. It's always good to be off. It's always good to be off indeed. Julia, can you give us a little bio about yourself to the audience, a little bit about your background before we get into the main topic, which is about hypnosis? Sure. So um, my background is actually in tech. Um, I started in college, my uh, major was biology and psychology, and I plan on becoming a psychiatrist. But then I switched into um, scientific research, which led me down the path of tech. And so I was in tech sales for all of my 20s. And when I left sales, I started my own businesses in design and with um, startup funding. But uh, that led to burnout and I wanted to really find a way to manage my businesses without burnout and actually enjoy the the life I was building, which um, I then led me to a program where I was hypnotized and it reminded me the power of hypnosis and I wanted to incorporate that within my business because I saw with my clients, they were experiencing the same symptoms of burnout. and the program that I was part of didn't offer that. So I decided to train just like initial training to be able to offer some um, hypnosis audios for my team. But then I just like went through the entire uh, program for a year. And when I came out of it, I decided just to start my practice instead of going back to the other two businesses. Mm -hmm. And two years later, here I am (laughs) with uh, Ford Institute. So what is hypnosis and how does it, how does it work? Do you know how it impacts the brain and and how do you do it? Sure. Yeah. So with hypnosis, it, it really slows down your brain waves because we're always in beta state, your brain waves always on. And so this helps you slow your brain waves to alpha and theta state. That's when you're really able to communicate with your subconscious mind. And so at this point, this is when you're able to send messages or gain information that's necessary for you to move forward in, in, in life or resolve any negative emotions or feelings. Is our environment impacting these brain waves? Is there specific thing activities like take you away from beta into like alpha, for example? Yes. So um, if if you want to really slow down your brain waves, breathing helps. Quiet. Um, or soothing music, having a screen in your face all day long, that keeps you always on. So not being on the phone, just laying down or leaning back, a cool, dark room, um, taking the deep breaths in so you can just slow down your brain waves and relax. Sometimes it's more ideal to just take a breather, a breathing break versus a nap in terms of your uh, mental productivity. Okay. And what about like the two mechanisms that we have in a nervous system, like the fight or flight, for example, the rest and digest? How, do, how does that come into play when it comes into hypnosis? Yeah, so it's really good. Um, I've been doing a course on the uh, vagus nerve. So, you know, my I'm not... I'm in grad school now for clinical psych. So it's first year. (laughs) So um, the the information that I'm getting is that with um, this, these breathing techniques and then slowing down your brain waves, it's training your nervous system not to initially go into um, fight or flight so quickly. You know, there's some people have that hair trigger 
where they just immediately go into it, you know, associated with trauma and traumatic experiences. So by taking this moment, taking that pause to breathe, then you're training your nervous system to take that pause as well. And then you can soon start increasing the amount of pause so you don't immediately go into that mode whenever you feel threatened or something is deemed a threat. Okay. Like during during like the during the hypnosis, do you like put people into like a dream state? Do you use repetition? How, how do you actually do that? How do you actually hypnotize somebody? Sure. So with the way that I hypnotize people is first um, we go in, it's really more like high perform. So we do a high performance coaching session to kind of get an idea of what's been going on in their lives that feels like they have a block, right? And so they tell me how they do something. So it's it's almost like what what is the series of events or actions or behaviors that you do to get a certain result? And then we we do a light trance where I ask your unconscious mind, what memory is linked to this behavior or this emotion? When was the first instance of this? And then we're able to go back and bring up that memory that created that particular pattern. Because you know the saying, how you do um, anything is how you do everything. So for example, um, you can have a client that's afraid of spending money on their business or their marketing budget. So every time they are, they get a quote or something or they see an offer, they freeze and they don't wanna spend the money. They just, and, but they know that this thing, this service or product is gonna be vital to increasing and improving their business, right? Mm-hmm. But they still freeze. And then you, we do the trance and it brings up a memory from childhood where you know they came across a loose dog. And in school, the teacher said, whenever you come across a threat or a dog or something like that, just freeze. And so that pattern then was copied and pasted as to different areas of their lives, relationships, spending money. So anytime you feel a threat, you just freeze. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm so blown away by that. Mm -hmm. And after you identify the threat or the enemy and this mental block, how do you go ahead and actually unblock yourself in a way or cure this, how would I say this, this mental block, right? That's causing the trauma or the causing them disappointment or causing them not to invest in their business. So it, it's really just a matter of communicating this to your subconscious mind. Okay. So this pattern is no longer necessary because it protected you in that moment, but you can let it go. You can stop this. And then once you tell your subconscious mind that this is it, this we don't need this anymore, the next step would be replacing it with a more empowering habit. Okay. So adjusting like that filter. It, it seems like in order for this to be successful, a person has to be very, very present and very mindful, correct? Because you have to catch yourself having these thoughts, right? When they keep coming back because... I'm not sure exactly how everything works with hypnosis, but it's probably not. Is it a one hit wonder where you hypnotize somebody and that uh, program is fixed? Or do you have to keep on having a few sessions? Because um, my analogy would be just like uh, chiropractics, right? You adjust a bone and it gets fixed, but then it, you know, not, it doesn't get aligned anymore. It gets out of whack and you have to readjust. So it's more like liposuction. So we get the fat out and you just maintain it by working out and eating, right? Okay. Okay. So it's almost like promoting like, like better habits, right? You're trying to figure out what's what's this, like that's a mental block, what's this issue that the person's facing and kind of what's the barrier to, you could say, entry and how to overcome it. So then do you work primarily with businesses or do you work with people, do you work with people that have anxiety? Because I did some research and it seems like hypnosis, the most stuff... I found online regarding hypnosis was was with anxiety, was with phobias, even I saw IBS. So is your specific work just with businesses and helping them, them promote their business and promote their growth? Yeah, so yeah. for so I work with um, either startup founders or people in management or people with um, high stress jobs like nurses and doctors and therapists, so um, helpers too because you need, you get a lot of information and trauma coming onto you. So 
you take that on. And a lot of times impacts your performance and work, especially mm -hmm. if um, you have, as a nurse, if you have perfectionism, for example, then you take it really hard if you lose a patient or something happens, you just and take that and internalize you messing up that one time. And then the next time something happens, you think about the one time that you messed up and then you might mess up again. So mm. you kind of freeze or you get really stressful and that creates burnout. So with my clients, we talk, I really, um, the issues I really work with them on are um, their perfectionism, um, procrastination, ADHD, um, intergenerational trauma, racial trauma. And so all of those things usually impact them in terms of their business and also their performance at work. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the whole racism thing because uh, I was looking at some of your stuff and, and you actually help people overcome racism, right? Yeah. So, so how does that work? That's like, that's crazy. If you could change somebody like that, I feel like you could, you could change any aspect of, of a person if you could change that. Yeah, because it's not something that is racism is a belief. It's a belief system. Like a you cultural know, some, conditioning. Yes, exactly. It's conditioned because if you, if we didn't have, and then the fact that, and especially racism in the U.S., it's only um, a few hundred years old. It's, this isn't something that's been here since the dawn of humanity. So it's definitely conditioned. And the fact that they put things in place like religion, science, all these things in place in order to condition you to divide yourself racially so it's easier to control you. Mm -hmm. That's really it. So um, being able to talk to people and get an idea when they had that belief system installed into their subconscious um, really helps to release it. And then because it's like now they can be doing anti-racism work and they're doing all the stuff and taking all the classes and workshops, but they had this belief installed in their minds a long time ago and it's still there mm -hmm. unconsciously, right? And when you, you still, and your behavior, your automatic behavior and reactions are unconscious. So if you go back that there and really release it unconsciously, that's when you truly are able to release racism, not mm -hmm. just with reading a book, posting a black square, or you know, um, having black friends or marrying someone black or marrying someone brown. So that is when you really are able to release it. And then also um, I work with a lot of black and brown individuals are releasing internalized racism mm -hmm. because that's even more impactful because you are putting this um, negative information and negative um, stereotypes, you're internalizing it. Mm -hmm. So that creates a lot of mental strain and stress. Yeah, I, I never like understood racism. Like how could you judge somebody by just like the way they look or their, their skin color and you have already like this ideology engraved that they're a bad person. Yeah, that, That's always been like interesting to me that how does how does a person think like that uh, and that was actually my question is where do you think racism stems from you know like how where does where's this learned behavior you know started because mm -hmm. when you're born as a baby you're just so pure right you have this pure love and then as soon as you get exposed to society it's just like somehow it, it just like molds us in a very negative way and it probably creates racism right yeah like is it for their parents or is it maybe like an experience that they've had or just their friends like how does that all tie together yeah so within the u.s it's um it's with their parents it's the school system it's the employment system it's also the healthcare system all these systems are in place to um were created just a few hundred years ago under in for certain corporations right and, and then these corporations created these systems, these educational systems, these healthcare systems, these workplace systems in order to make more money. And they realized that in order to make more money and to have order, they had to create some type of hierarchy. And this is race and gender, right? And so having this hierarchy and creating certain problems, they were then able to profit off creating solutions to these problems. So it's, you know, everything ties back to money and how much money it can make people. If there were no racism, there would be less problems, but then there would be less 
uh, money made from the solutions to these problems. That's Jeez. a very interesting yeah. way to think about it. I've never heard any, anybody say that. It's, it's very, that that's, sounds like the most plausible answer to this. Like corporations creating this, these disparities, these issues, and then to come and to solve it them, themselves for, for money. That's probably the most educated guess I could probably say I've ever heard. Yeah, I was, I was actually listening to Tristan, which created a documentary, Social Dilemma. And he talks about that, like social media is a giant psychology freaking experiment. And they figured out, you know, how to pray on our emotion. They, Facebook knows that we are more likely to click on things with negativity. So the algorithm is favoring that kind of content, you know, just, just imagine, uh, I had another great point about that he mentioned. Like when they even created, tried to create like the AI bot. Like off Google, off different search browsers, the the AI robot was searching through the web and it kind of learned off the most common phrases, most common things on the internet, and majority of it was negativity. Ended up being like a racist robot or like a racist AI, just because there's so much negativity out there that that it learns to be negative. And that's yeah. mind blowing. Humankind kind of program the mm-hmm. um, the robot. So you know how like media controls everything in a way and like gives us the message of how to think. And, you know, hypnosis is this repetition to put us like in the spell, correct, to expose this. Do you believe like society in America is like this un- under this giant spell in a way from like media? We're not even aware of it. It's like this yes. program that's running. A hundred percent. That's why I tell people I'm not really a hypnotherapist. I'm a de-hypnotherapist. Wow. Because you're already on under a trance, mm-hmm. um, a trance that makes you feel like you aren't doing enough, that you aren't enough, that you need this to to be better, you need to do this to do better. All of these things, when you kind of wake up and realize they're not really that important, or this actually doesn't make any sense. It's like, Mm -hmm. wait, why do I have to do that? Who said this? Who made the rules? Start questioning everything because, you know, we just accept it and our parents accepted it and our grandparents accepted it and you know they just pass it on to us and you're like wait why am i so sad why am i so angry what is all of this mm-hmm. so you start questioning it and then i start to see a lot of stuff like um i just was going to post something on twitter about a TikTok video it's a mcdonald's commercial um i can play it if you if you want to yeah sure it. go for it it's a mcdonald's commercial on TikTok. yeah Oh, it's man. A, a McDonald's ad and they they use TikTok influencers. This is why influencers get paid a lot of money and why celebrities like get a lot of money because they're able to really influence others, their representation to share this message, mm-hmm. this conditioning. Their celebrities and actors and actresses and influencers are the best hypnotherapists. Yeah, and hypnoth- right, hypnoth- some of these influencers and you know TikTokers or Instagram people, they they have a bigger following than, than some news corporations. Yeah, Yeah. it's 100%. And so here is the McDonald's video. And so now and then it's just like the, the words that they tell you to repeat there. This is exactly how I create my crispy, juicy, tender. Repetition, right? It's also very, very scary. Because that's the way the media does it. Like that word, the new norm, that mm-hmm. that no, that word was repetition constantly the whole entire year. Lockdown. You know what I mean? And we're not even realizing this. We're in a hypnosis from 2020. We won't even realize it. Like this this is a new year, but the same. You're kind of scaring me now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The repetition yeah. thing is, is legit because all we heard in 2020 was, was fear with the COVID, with, with the virus, fear about our president, fear of war. It was just constant fear. They would always have something different, but it all led to fear. Yeah. And exactly. people were scared and people are still scared and it freaked people out. That Some people that we work with don't even want to leave their homes still. Yeah. And what happens when people are afraid? They're easier to control. Right. right? And, and then you even see videos of like toddlers. Now they think everything is a hand sanitizer thing. Mm, like wow. the toddlers are now used to mask and doing and washing their hands and hand, using hand sanitizers everywhere. Right. Wow. Like the conditioning. Mm, yeah. What happened to our immune system, you know? So, and even like with the whole COVID-19, or teen, imagine how, how detrimental social isolation was. Majority of people that develop like psychiatric illnesses, you know, they go through some kind of trauma, but a lot of times they deal with social isolation. That just, that just increases that. 
And a lot of these, if you go on Google or whatever, and you look up all these like serial killers, they're, they, they almost isolate themselves. And there's a bunch of research out, out there that states if you isolate somebody, their chances of becoming like a worse individual or having some kind of issue or being violent drastically increases. So imagine what's going on in society. Like 2021 might be like a place where we see a lot more suicides, a lot more murders, a lot more school shootings because everyone's so isolated. And if you're isolated for a long time, you, you get stuck in your head. And just look at all the prisoners that we throw them in isolation. Look how drastically they get, they get changed. They don't come out the same. Right. People get, yeah, people get thrown into solitary confinement in, in prison and in jail for X amount of hours and they don't come back the same at all. And that could be just for six to eight hours, 12 hours, you know, maybe a few hours, and then they come out completely different. And it's crazy what's going on. People don't understand yeah. this. And yeah, we're not like completely isolated. We're not, we're in a four by four room and it's in the same four walls, but we're still being isolated. You know, we're social creatures. We got to socialize. We got to move around. We got to talk to people. And this completely dissipates that, that idea of us. Yeah, the, the, thing, yeah. the thing is, Pete, is our body is free, you know what I mean? But mentally, we're in this prison that we're not even realizing. And you're enslaved physically because you're enslaved mentally in a way, you know? And that's the sad part about this. And I'm, I'm, I love that we're having this conversation because when you ever, when you ever bring up this conversation, hey, this, the government's trying to do, do this, it's always classified as a conspiracy. It's always like, um, it's always like, jeez, uh, I'm missing that. I mean, it's not part of the agenda. It's, 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 it's thrown away, right? Upon, you know? Yeah, and then like here, this is a different perspective. Like, hey, you know what? It's not a conspiracy. It's literally, this is how hypnosis works mm -hmm. and it gives you this different perspective. Like, hey, well maybe, you know, th this has a great point. Why does everybody thinking the same way I do? Because groupthink is a major problem right now. We don't have independent thought. We have a thought that was given to us by the television, by the cell phone, you know, and we're just going along with it without even thinking twice. Especially in California. Like we grew up in the Midwest where we're able to freely express our opinions and nobody really sh shut you down. Nobody really judged you. You know, in Chicago, in, in Illinois, a lot of people had, had different views, different ideas of the world, different ideas on how to tackle things. And even though we didn't agree on it, we still respected our, our own opinion and we didn't look down at each other. But like here in California, if you have an opinion that's different from the norm, that's different from, like Matt said, out, out of the group and you're not in that whole group thing cycle, then it's almost like you're an outcast. Yep. And that's so wild to me because California was supposed to be supposed to be like so liberal. You could be free. You could do whatever, whatever you want because it's California. And... You could do that as long as it's on their terms. <laughs> yeah. As long as what you're doing is something, is something that they agree with. And it's, mm -hmm. I find that so strange. Yeah. It's like, yeah, free, but our type of free. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and just to kind of switch things up a little bit, kind of move away from this whole, whole uh, conspiracy kind of uh, I kind have of one more question about hypnosis, go ahead. though. So is everybody programmable in this case? Because I've heard that not everybody could go under hypnosis, correct? Um, so there's some research uh, by Dr. David Spiegel at Stanford. Mm -hmm. So the research for hypnotizability, there's only 10% of the population that isn't um, hypnotizable, use, but they with a certain um, method. So with me, I work with people with ADHD. So mm -hmm. they're highly analytical. So they oftentimes are on the spectrum because it's a really a spectrum where they're more difficult to hypnotize mm -hmm. because they're going, you're going to say, I'd like you to relax. It's like, how can I relax when I'm <laughs> all these thoughts just Damn. like come into their mind. Yeah. So the method of hypnosis that I use is really kind of to use to distract your conscious mind so I can talk to your subconscious mm -hmm. mind. So, um, so understanding that hypnotizability is not always like relax and going to trance. Sometimes it's just really implanting suggestions that they take on later on. Mm -hmm. So pretty much everyone can be programmed mm -hmm. wow. they're not okay. hypnotized but they can be programmed mm -hmm. what is like the point. most common barrier you see with individuals from kind of attaining their true success or you know breaking from adhd and their other issues belief the belief that you're not able to break away from adhd the belief that you're not able to heal from certain um conditions because it's because we 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 keep getting messages that it doesn't work. So 
we really need to just, my job is really to override those beliefs and messages that this doesn't work to show them that it does. Because once they have the belief that it does work, it really does. And I'm seeing that hypnosis is becoming more powerful and more popular because now pharmaceutical companies are actually trying to discredit hypnosis in their actual commercials, Mm -hmm. like for smoking. A lot of people have been able to quit smoking naturally without nicotine gum and nicorette and all these stuff that's created by the same companies that created the cigarettes. So, so now they have commercials saying hypnosis doesn't work for, um, for to stop smoking. Mm-hmm. So they buy nicorette gum instead, oh, buy course. this pack instead. And so it's it's so wild how you just see like how they work so hard to make you feel disempowered so they can profit off you feeling powerless. Mm-hmm. So like basically at the, at the core, what hypnosis and what you're actually doing is, is you could say breaking bad habits and breaking negative beliefs and then instilling positive habits and positive beliefs. And then with them being able to continue to repeat it, that becomes a new norm, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Because especially for me, right. Um, say if I, as a black woman, I want to start a company. I have so many messages that say, oh, black women can't get funding. Black women, it's so hard to be black woman. It's so hard to get money. It's so hard to run a business. It's so hard. Why? Why? If I have the drive, if I have the intelligence, I have the focus, I don't have kids. I don't have distractions. I have a savings, all these things in place. Why is it so hard? What is really you because you say it's hard. And so I I decide to believe you that it's hard. So if I decide not to believe you, then it's not hard. Right. Mm -hmm. What do do you think are the worst habits that you notice in society or people or the people that you coach that are negatively impacting their success or their mental well-being? The importance of other people's opinions Mm -hmm. on their life. Okay, so sometimes you catch yourself, th- and I catch myself too, like, uh, let's just say I was driving a car and I turned down the music, right? And, and when I pulled into the parking lot, and then I asked myself, why did I do that, right? And then you're like, well, I was worried about what other people are going to think. And then what I do right away instead is I'll blast that music back on <laughs> just to break that damn programming of that thought that like went in there subconsciously, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then imagine if you did that every time. Then you would just start to, then it would come outside of the car. Then you would like talk like this and try to be invisible or try to um, not be seen or be heard. Yeah. So it, it's definitely the the need to fit in, the need for people to like you because, and that that's something that's hardwired into us from our from early man, early humankind, because back in the day if you weren't accepted or you were thrown out, you were, you were going to die because you would be left out in the, in those conditions alone. But, and so that program is still with us modern day. So it's almost like you have to kind of fight that program that being out in the wild is okay. You can take care of yourself. It's all right if you're out in the wild. And then funny thing happens, you start to see other people that are out there in the wild with you. And then you could create your own community of wildlings. Mm-hmm. And, and I think thrones. it's even heightened with, with social media, right? And as the closer we get, the more intertwined we get to each other, I think it's going to get even worse because instead of seeing like like Susie outside her home, that's how many times you can see Susie, you know, you know, she's got a nice purse, she looks she looks cool. And now with social media, you have access to her profile nonstop. And what do people post on social media? Just just the good times, just them having fun, partying, yeah. you know, going out. And you look at this profile and you think, how does she live this life where all she does is go out, you know, she looks amazing, she does so much cool stuff, travels, but in reality, that's not all she does. You know, you, you don't you don't see all the hard work she she puts in or her struggles. Everyone just puts this this artificial superficial mask on social media and people think that's how others live their lives. And it makes you feel like shit because you don't have time to go out. You know, you're in school, you're, you're at work, and this person is always doing something fun, and you're not doing anything fun. And that just leads to even, even further depression, uh, you being more self-conscious, and it's yeah. just, I don't have a solution for it, but it's, it's, very, it's a very dangerous path to go down into once you get kind of down that, that rabbit hole. Yeah, and this happens a lot. And so people, so that sec, that's the second thing, comparing yourself to others and their lives too. 
And so then there's this um, point system, mental point system that you have. It's like, oh, I should have kids. I should have a husband. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And then you do these things that you should be doing and you're stuck in this marriage. You're stuck with these children and you're a bad parent because you didn't want to do in the first place. So, and then that goes back to you did it because you cared about what people thought versus what you truly want. And so one thing I push to my clients is soul alignment, like taking away demographics, taking away how your parents see you, how your friends see you, how your work, everyone else sees you. How do you see you? What do you truly want? Because what happens is when you start to do what you truly want, it happens easily. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like the the law of attraction, right? It's not a secret. We just yeah. have to learn how to actually exploit that law. Yeah. And then what you want is no one really wants anything wild and crazy. People just really want to feel safe, have freedom, um, feel loved, have fun. That's really it. Those mm-hmm. are really. <laughs> it's kind of funny because those four points that you just brought up: security, freedom, love, and be able to go out. That's exactly what we're dealing with in society where we're on lockdown for such a long time and we'll do anything to get those four freedoms back. And whatever whatever the media presents us as the the solution, that's what we're going to go after, you know? It, it's almost like this uh, mental, mental, what's it called, uh, prison. But I wanted to get into NLP because I know they both go hand to hand. I've dwindled with the idea of NLP before, neuro-linguistic programming, correct? Mm-hmm. So I've done it before, like on YouTube as like a confidence video, for example, and I put on my headphones and I closed my eyes and it was like a 15 minute video with uh, somebody repeating specific phrases, correct? So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so language is so powerful, you know, um, language can bring you together and language can divide you because it's, it's, some, it's someone that um, is... Um, bilingual you could be like when you're trying to translate stuff in your mind you're like you don't even know how funny I am in my native tongue like do you know like I could say so many jokes to you right now but um when you use certain words that elicits um certain emotions because we've been programmed to attach certain emotions to that word from early on as you're learning how to speak so for example with my nephew when when he wants something I say, if you want this, say please. That feeling of wanting that, say please, instead of crying. So now he start, so he'll start crying and he's like, oh, please. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now he knows to associate the a feeling of wanting something and the word to say to get that thing is please, mm-hmm. instead of crying. So a lot of us, and then, you know, we all grew up in different households. So a lot of us associate different words, certain feelings. So when people, for example, think of contract, they're like, whoa, whoa, so serious. Are you going to sue me? It's like, but then it's like agreement. I'll send over the agreement. Like, okay, yeah, sure. (laughs) I'll sign it versus contract, right? Or um, bill versus investment, like right. these words are, are linked to how you feel about them. So if you want to reprogram your emotions, you can use different words. And if you want to reprogram how you react to different words, you can practice by shifting how you feel when you hear those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for anybody that's out there listening, if you guys don't believe how powerful the mind is, I'm not sure if you know this yourself, but but before Mike Tyson, you know, reached the person that, that he became at his prime, he actually used to get hypnotized multiple time, times a week. And he attributes that to, to his success. So that's insane. That guy became the most, he became the most feared man in the world. Damn. Yeah. Just, just from that. Is that crazy? Yeah. So uh, before the show, you're saying that you started this institute. It's called the Forward Institute. Can you touch a little, little bit upon what that is and what do you do with that? Sure. So at Ford Institute, I develop brain training programs. So for individuals and for um, corporations that want to elevate their employee experiences, because it's like if your employees are happy and feel safe, they have that psychological security in the 
and at your company, they'll stay there longer and they'll also be more productive. And for individuals um, running a business or you know, having a high, high performing career, it's important that you also um, are in tip top shape mentally. So with my brain training programs, it combines NLP and hypnosis and um, subliminal subconscious shift programming, essentially like all three to help you truly create a permanent transformative experience. Um, so you pick one area of your life that you want to work on or one specific issue that you want to resolve and you train your brain for 33 days and it lasts your lifetime. Why 33 days? So the in tra for traditional um, habit breaking, it takes about 90 days to make it a lifestyle, but people oftentimes, you know, fall off that path, usually like. 14 days in. Yeah. So I chose the number 33 days because I saw that with hypnosis and brain training, it cuts that time into a third of the time, but it makes it a permanent shift. So it's not just one session because what happens is, yes, we make the subconscious shift, but your conscious mind is still taking on information that can um, still send this signal to your subconscious mind repeatedly. So you need to get your subconscious mind and your conscious mind on board with this shift. Mm -hmm. So doing the training keeps your conscious mind busy as your, um, your subconscious mind locks in on the new pattern. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And can you do this over Zoom, for example, or does it have to be in person? Yeah. So all my sessions have been virtual now on Zoom mm -hmm. for Jeez. the past year. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm ready to start right now. I'm mm -hmm. so curious about this hypnosis. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, so you have the Ford Institute, correct? What about mm -hmm. the other part of the, I know you had another business. You said you had two. Did you let go of that business to start your new passion in a way? Yeah, so it was almost like as soon as I finished training and I was going to incorporate um, hypnotherapy into the business funding startup. So I helped startups um, get funding. So I was going to start using the mindset work to help the founders stay on track, complete their applications. But then I was like, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't, I just don't, you know, that soul alignment. Right. I was like, this is, this is not what I want to do. And I stuck with it for like two, three months, but I got like clients I didn't really want to work with. I, people were asking for a refund and it's because my energy wasn't aligned with it anymore. I was mm -hmm. like, why am I still holding on to this? Cause I'm used to it. Right. Yeah. So I let it go. I let both businesses go. And um, I'm still a partner in the design business, but I'm not like in the day-to-day uh, -day anymore. So it's just, and now I just focus on Ford Institute and, and school. Mm, yeah, so you said one reason you got into hypnosis and hypnotherapy is because you're burnt out. So I, I think you've created like a, a, a you can say a self-hypnosis program called Burnout to, to Blissful. Yes, mm. yes. So, um, so what is that? How does that compare to, to the other one that you do for businesses? So this one is for anyone. Um, you don't have to be an entrepreneur or business owner. If you just are experiencing um, the seven types of burnout, you're able to learn how to tap into your subconscious mind to really create that deep shift because you're experiencing burnout from either feeling a certain way or doing certain things. And so doing self-hypnosis will help you identify the root of your burnout because yes we all have may have the same burnout symptoms but it's usually from a different cause mm -hmm. uh, when you get hypnotized uh, can you sh share some habits that you've changed or how your mental talk has changed since then yes that's a great question because i was just thinking about the other day when i was before i was hypnotized um you know on being from New York and Jersey area, you're just sarcastic. You know, you're not really like a bubbly type of person mm. or that's how I never saw myself as. And, and so I would say, oh, um, I would say, <laughs> Um, F, F my life, mm. F me. Uh. You, you can and, say that for it if you want to. Uh, okay. 
<laughs> I was just trying. I was like, wait. Go wild. Yeah, it's more and it's more natural. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I was just, you know, from Jersey, you know, I'm just cursing a lot. And so I was just like, so someone would say, Oh, we already went to get lunch. Oh, fuck me, huh? Oh, just fuck me, fuck Juliet. Or like I'll be washing dishes or getting coffee and I'm like, oh, I fucking hate my life. Just mm-hmm. just say that to myself. Like <laughs> what <laughs> it was right. so wild that i would say that every day like multiple times a day to myself out loud to others how much i hated life it's like oh no i didn't die yet like things like, like so dark and and then why it only made sense to why i hated my life because I, I constantly said it yeah i've realized the people that um publicly have interpersonal conflicts to kind of steer away from because sometimes they're just, they create drama, you know, especially, and the reason I mentioned this is we, we talked about drama in the workplace, right? With the one, when, when you hear nurses that have these inner personal conflicts, Hey man, they're, they're, they're trouble in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I noticed on the show, you mentioned soul alignment. I, you mentioned it multiple times. So what does that mean to you? So for me, um, this is the ability to transcend these limitations that they put on us, um, whether it's your racial identity, your gender identity, your sexual identity, all these things that they try to put on you and tell you that this is who you are. So that means that you can't do X, Y, Z, or you can't be X, Y, Z. So by me focusing on my client's souls, we're able to shed these limitations like from deep, deep down to say, what do you really want to do? Do you really want to run this business or do you really want this? What is your purpose here? And so when they find this, what they really want to do by talking to themselves, they have the, it it really creates this alignment where you have your own back no matter what. Like before, I never used to be able to kind of plan six months ahead or like someone to say, let's go on a trip in December. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, Can what's gonna happen? Like, I didn't trust myself to be in a position to um, be organized or financially ready for a trip in six months. And that was, I didn't have trust in myself. So this creates this self-trust, which allows you to create self-discipline, which creates confidence. And so when you take on goals or even if, an it builds resilience. So no matter what happens to you, what happens in the world, you will be prepared, you will be ready, and you will be able to transcend it. Mm-hmm. Wow, beautifully said. Yeah. So for those people maybe that don't want to do pursue hypnotherapy or maybe are skeptical of it still, do you have any advice for them how they could maybe on a level alone troubleshoot these uh, subconscious issues that they have within themselves? Is there a specific techniques that you recommend? Um, yeah, so um, one thing in terms of belief shifting, if you want to start to do conscious work around your beliefs, um, write down um, the main areas of life, um, work, business, finances, um, physical, emotional, relationships, all of that. Then write down your issues in each of these areas, right? And then ask yourself, why? Why do I have these issues? And then write that down. And then ask yourself, what do I believe about this? What belief is linked to this why to have this issue? And then that's going to bring out the belief. And then you ask yourself, is this belief true? And then you answer yes or no. And then ask, where did this belief even come from? And then you'll either get like, oh, when your teacher said that you were clumsy or when your aunt said that you'll never, you're a low reader, or you're not good with words or something like that. So those memories pop up. And so that gives you an idea of why you feel this way and what you believe about yourself to cause this problem. So when you find that out, this gives you the ability to say to when you turn down the music, nope, I'm turning it up. Right. Okay. Yeah, so you almost do like a root, root cause analysis. A lot of people put aside their problems and, and their, their issues because, you know, it's in their head. So it's easy to put it off if it's in your head. But when you start writing it down, you're actually doing some, some, some mental work with it. And a lot of people have to visualize their issues and try to map where they come from. What did they, what did they cause? Like try to figure out, all right, so this is the problem. What triggers, 
you know, what, what triggers a problem, where did it come from, and, and how do I react to it? Yeah. And that's probably very beneficial to people. I think, geez, now that I'm like connecting all these dots, I think these damn cell phones are the culprit to a lot of things, including our televisions like Netflix, because we're always kind of offloading all our mental energy, right? We're taking constant attention away from us to other things. You know, just like you say, my life sucks. Okay, put on some Netflix. And they're like always trying to escape the reality in a way instead of coming into reality, being grounded, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I've realized like once you become disciplined, like life gets so much better. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, you know, where, where are these things coming from? You know, why am I experiencing this pain? And that's what I tell a lot of people that we have two types of pain, right? It's either you have the pain from doing the work, right? Whether it's going to work out, whether it's going for a run, losing weight, or you have the pain from having that guilt of just say, fuck it, I'm going to go have a big big Mac, you know? And then, then you have that shame guilt, you know? And like, is that is shame and guilt a learned behavior as well? Of course it is because I feel like the media constantly is bashing shame and guilt on us and like self-criticism. Mm-hmm. 100% mm-hmm. because when you feel like you shouldn't be doing something, that that's a problem. And so then they can present you with the solution that you pay for. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Like she, the companies she, she, that started smokers are now creating a product to help you quit smoking. It's right? like the example. You just said it right there. So it's like large corporations that figured us out in a in a psychological way and they're using the same technique for decades on. And that's why large that's why America's a freaking it's a it's a it's not a nation that has like culture at its forefront. It's consumerism at its forefront, mm-hmm. right? And just like you I get their award. Yes. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Exactly. That's the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. a lot of people don't see it like that. Wow. Yeah. It's America is is a corporation. Mm-hmm. And and coming from where my, my parents are from, from Nigeria, you know, Nigeria is a country that's named after a company. You know, it was it's a, a, a conglomerate of multiple lands, peoples that became a country. And really? so you see the problems that stem when a country is run by money versus for the people. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, been back to Nigeria ever or do you go there mm-hmm. so often? So how is yeah. life different from here? Um, so in terms of it's, it's, it's less materialistic. Um, the food is the food quality is better. The people are more relaxed because but there is still division because there's tribalism. So when I tell people about um, hate or fear or divisiveness, and that um, this is an example I use because I'm, I'm my parents are from a country where everyone's black, but there's still division and there's still killings based on w- what tribe you're from. So, and and this stems from fear and lack. So this, this fear usually comes from farmers or people thinking like there's not enough food for us or they're trying to steal our land or they're trying to steal from us and my family. So then people, so then the government, once our government, that government over there um, taps into that fear and spreads that propaganda to make sure that the people remain divided. Yeah. So this is a method that happens in multiple countries and it's, it always works. Divide the people based on some on lack and fear, so that they're easier to control. So when we are divided that way, we can't really look at the government until finally something was happened to the rich people in Nigeria, and then SARS. You know, and SARS. SARS was something that was in place for three to four years now, or no, for almost ten years. And then finally, when they started to affect the upper class, it became an issue. So until something happens in the US like with the lockdowns where it affects the upper class that's when you'll start to see more changes right but i think like the lockdown doesn't affect the upper class you know you hear these governors and mayors you know they have these no flight orders these quarantine orders and they're the ones flying out out from exactly. state, state to state right it's so weird it's just like once you reach a certain financial threshold the laws don't like the laws don't pertain to you anymore yeah. And it's crazy because a lot of this is like like politics. Like these politicians make these laws and they expect people to abide by them, but they, they themselves don't care for them. Exactly. It's just mind-blowing. I think the most recent issue that really caught me by surprise that I'm like, whoa, we're like in this like hypnosis state is when like, for example, Trump got banned off Twitter. 
and mm-hmm. everybody had so much damn hate for this man. Everybody was cheering that on. And I was just like, no, guys, don't freaking cheer this on. This is the exact blow to censorship. And this is this was the biggest like check mark that like, hey, we could remove your free speech now. And then after that, they started removing all these people, people off Twitter, whoever they liked, you know, Facebook changed their terms and conditions. And, you know, we don't have like the freedom of speech. You know, we just have like these bills in terms of conditions from these large corporations, right? Yeah. And then it's it's even more um, terrible because people can't really congregate publicly offline mm-hmm. anymore either. So, you know, a lot of stuff that I would share or tell people would be offline because, you know, I don't need um, need it to be online and yeah. it's construed. So I would share a lot of information. So like about health, about mental health, the, the, the real deal, how to really take back your life. Mm-hmm. And this is stuff that I can't even really post on my website or post on and tweet like my tweet. Everything's really kind of censored because um, I know that if I start to share certain things and idea, ideology, ideology, ide- ideologies, ideologies, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, they, they'll start to limit my reach or ban mm-hmm. me as well. So I'll be considered, you know, a conspiracy theorist. Like even this, this, um, this episode, people will be like, oh, they're kind of like going, no, we're really just telling you what is mm-hmm. in front of you, but you kind of are able to see it right. you're in even right. for even for us like our a few of our episodes got pulled from spotify and apple just because i guess we mentioned something that you know they, they don't want anybody to hear yeah and i'm a, I'm a I'm biggest pro supporter of like free enterprise but the thing is with like the social media media that, that we use like twitter facebook instagram those aren't run by the government they're run by by businesses so Business law is different than civil law that, than, you know, our law that we deal with on the streets. So they don't abide by the same freedom of speech laws as, as we do ourselves, right? So, like I said, even though um, I'm like anti, you could say, big brother, and I, I like to have the government not step into everything, they have to, I feel like they have to step in this situation. Yes. Because these corporations, like Matt said, they're giving us these terms of services, which are basically another set of laws for us. Except these laws aren't, set by ju- the judiciary branch or not followed up by Congress, they're set up by these by corporations with with people in a, in a room, group thinking together, trying to decide what's the best approach to to society, but in, in their views. And they don't really care who they censor because technically they can. No one could, could say, hey, no, you, you can't block that person from using a platform. You can't say that because it's a, it's a private business. They allow whoever they want to allow. And I feel like if the government doesn't step in soon, then, you know, censorship is going to be a lot worse than it is. Because if you could ban a president off a platform, imagine what they could, what they could do to us. Yeah, exactly. the individual citizens. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen them uh, ban a lot of people that I would follow mm-hmm. based on certain things too. Even uh, people that I would agree with and people I would disagree with, they would equally be be um, kicked off the platform and they have to create another account <laughs> and right, right. come back and stuff like that. So it's anything that goes outside of of the norm. I stay on Twitter because it's interest because I it's almost like a sociological experiment for me to see what's going on, see what messages are taking off like wildfire and see people and it's interesting to see a lot of people oftentimes fight so hard for their limitations. Mm-hmm. What's your take like on all this like gender identity that's we're being attacked now? And uh, just recently, like Mr. Uh, Mr. Potato Head is not Mr. Potato Head anymore, just to kind of like combat the whole gender inequality and everything. Oh, yes. So I feel like in terms of um, gender and sexuality and anything, if we allow people just to to represent who they feel like they want to represent, that should be fine, you know, and and then so at the same regards we it's performative like these brands and these things they're do they're being performative and they're not actually helping the people offline because if someone is not doesn't feel like this is the right gender for them that they're you know the gender that they're assigned at birth is not the right one um Caitlyn Jenner is not going to help them Mr. Potato Head is not going to help them we need to take this the corporations and brands out of it 
and really actually help the people offline, help people in person, because that's and also with um, the issue too. I I had with um, performative activism with Black Lives Matter, like how everyone was posting the black square and then mm -hmm. people were trying to cancel people for not posting the black square when I know this person just donated a lot of money to um, to bail funds, to uh, black trans lives, all these, they're doing a lot of work on, offline and they're not being performative. They don't really post on Instagram, that's it. Sorry, mm -hmm. like they didn't, they're busy actually doing work that they didn't come and post on Instagram or tweet um, a hashtag. Mm -hmm. So my, so I feel like everyone should be able to um, be the gender that they want to be and, and you know, also the sex that they want to be. But the performative um, actions that a lot of corporations are taking is, is just, I, I see I see that they're doing it to distract from the real issue, you, to, to actually really help people. You make yeah, a very it's almost good like, point. Like, there's like, a, like they're writing like a trend. Like this mm -hmm. is, like you said, with the whole racism things and, and corporations like to hop on these these ideologies that, that come into context that are popular and, you know, they play both sides. Like with my only issue with like gender identity politics is, is like, at like what age are you going to agree with somebody? Let's say you have a, you have a boy and he thinks he's a girl, right? At, at what age do you actually believe him? Because when I was, you know, eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, like I didn't even know myself, right? Like you, like you don't, don't know who you actually are. So at what age is like, can we start like agreeing with, 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 these, with these people, right? Because they're still kids. Because a lot of times I see, a lot of times that I see on the internet and the things that I read is like a girl turns into a boy at the age of 16 and then now they're 30 and they completely re regret it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So that's like my, my biggest issue with that is everyone wants to kind of be like in the, in, in the, in like the light of trying to change, trying to be part of this whole transgenderism growth and, and movement and then up screwing up, up their lives in the long run because they just wanted to be part of that trend that's going on. They thought it was cool. They thought it was popular. Yeah. They actually thought they knew themselves. They felt the social pressures. Like all, all their friends were like, yeah, you're a girl, but you believe you're a boy? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you should definitely turn into a boy. How about on, do testosterone, try to be a boy. And then 20 years on the line, they completely regret it because that's not really what they wanted to do. It's just the social pressures that that heightened their want to, to be that. That's I, my major issue with that. I, I also, I'm going to add on to my opinion mm -hmm. here is I feel like, do you know how like we think that pharmaceutical companies are like the biggest business? And if you watch that documentary Bleeding Edge on Netflix, you soon learn to understand that, hey, it's all these surgical companies are the big business in the hospitals, right? I don't mm -hmm. know what the percentage of healthcare or our GDP is based on healthcare, but it's huge, especially surgeries, right? So now that with all this plant parenthood and now you don't need a consent from your parent, you could do things. What if this is just going to be a push for surgeries now? Because that's like that secret, you know, comp company that we don't know about. What if they start not have? What if kids could have don't ha don't need a consent from the parents to just get surgeries? That's right. going to be scary because they should they need time to develop to make this you know decision. Yeah, because Especially, these are life decisions. These are literally life changing decisions. Yeah, it's not where you want to go to university. What do you want to be when you grow up? It's literally a physical transformation, and it's it's mind blowing that some people go, could come to this realization at such a young age. And that's why I believe that this is. A lot of this is social pressures and a reinforcement. Like I'm not pathering, like I'm not pathering school or something like that, or I don't have a lot of friends, or I don't get a lot of response from my parents, from my, my friends, or, or anybody in school. So I'm going to not really make up, but I have this idea of me being a girl, right? And now that I'm a guy and I think I'm a girl, not everyone's interested in me. Like why does Peter want to be a girl? He should totally be a girl, and that reinforcement. Is, it keeps keeps calming. So you think you it's like a social media thing where you're getting that rush of attention, yeah. dopamine, and you want to pursue that more and more. Right, especially if like kids don't have good parents at home that don't have have good reinforcement, that don't have good good communication skills with their parents that you know that grew up in troubled homes. Those those kids are usually the ones that kind of fall for this kind of issue. So so it's like childhood trauma where attention is better than no attention. Maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Mm. You, you know, because what um, the people that actually work with or mm. come in contact with are usually adults so i don't i don't have any experience working with children mm. that have um that have come into 
this um, decision where they have to make a decision of their gender identity. So the people I do work with are adults. So it's I had that's the experience I have, yeah. and then I'm not, and I'm I'm still not um, I'm still not licensed or finished mm. my my degree in in psychology. Right. But in terms of protection for children that are really kind of exploring their gender identity, I think if we put programs and support into place, then it it can help no matter what the what type of identity issue or where it stems from comes from because if we do have the support system in place then we can really ask them and they can really define what it is that they're feeling versus having it having them have to depend on strangers on the internet you know if they have if they have some place in their town or some place in their state or a safe place online where they don't need to um kind of present themselves to strangers for attention where it's something where they can really go and explore within and speak to other people like them to get an idea ask those right questions have that have that true support system then that will that will take a a lot of um, the gray area away because then it's something that they have that support and the attention that they're not getting from their friends or their school system because the parents aren't really you know trained there's no parenting classes anymore parenting certifications that you can get before you raise children and then school system is really just there to create workers Mm -hmm. you know they're not there to really help you develop as a human being so definitely having yeah it's powerful yeah they're not there so so it's like the human experience um especially as a kid because i start get i'm on tiktok so um i get a lot of kids following my account they're like i i'm just understanding i'm sort of understand what you're saying i don't i'm 16 but i'm still gonna just watch you so when i'm grown up i know what to do (laughs) and so i'm glad to be able to present them with that but this is something that's really i didn't i had no idea that um that this was happening with kids because i work with adults but definitely putting out information to and having something set in stone to be able to have them and that's the thing with soul soul identity because this is when you're able to transcend needing attention or not getting attention or needing your parents or anyone's approval to be who you want to be because then they you really kind of understand that okay let me just relax let me take some time to to explore what it is and two if we lifted um a lot of the restrictions that would give people so many so much more room to just be who they are if it's in between two identities they could be that for until their adulthoods and then make the decision or they could just stay that way you know if we didn't put so much importance on genitalia then they wouldn't for be feel forced to to have surgeries you know irreversible surgeries if we just said just be you whatever how your body is now how you want to express yourself, how you want to identify yourself as doesn't have to be linked to your genitalia. Because if a woman can't, um, if a woman can't give birth, does that mean she's no longer a woman? Mm. If, if she had to get a hysterectomy and she doesn't have a uterus, does that, does that mean that you're less of a woman? So I feel like if we take the importance away from genitalia and we focus on the soul and how you want to express yourself on this planet, on this plane right now, then that would put a lot of pressure away from surgeries and give power back to the individual to explore who they really are in this lifetime. That's a, that's a good idea. I, I want to end it on that. That was powerful. And Thank I, you. I still wanted to even talk about like nursing and PTSD, how that like all dives into, but we're way past our time. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we could have another amazing episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, yeah I've been working um, a lot with... Um, with caregiver burnout, Mm -hmm. um, especially working with my mom and my sister who's in school now, and then my clients that are social workers, therapists, nurses, and doctors. So I've been seeing it's, it's kind of, it goes, it's like, it's like you get the release, but then you have to go back into work. So say Mm -hmm. if you take today and you have a session, you have to go back to it again tomorrow. So it's, it's a deeper, um, program for them. So what, what do you think leads to a burnout with, with healthcare workers? Is it the amount of work or is it the, the, ment, uh, the mental, you know, you could say, 
the thoughts that they go through. Because a lot of healthcare professionals, they, they deal with sick people, right? So they usually come into work and they help people, but in their context, it's usually sad, right? So is yeah. it like mental burnout or is it more like a physical burnout going on? It's, it's, it's a mental, spiritual, and physical because you are deep, as a caregiver, you are deep in the matrix. You, are, you can't escape. Mm-hmm. You you can escape mentally, but then you go back in. You're like always going back into the matrix and seeing how the system is broken and how it breaks people. Yeah. So even though you may heal yourself, you still see all these unhealed people. And then it's just almost like a factory of unhealed people and the matrix keeps sending them to you. Mm-hmm. So for yeah. you, it's really ha- having to create this regimen for around your mind and be and do it and and kind of take breaks off so it's like you have to be really strategic in your um self-care yeah that's deep Mm -hmm. that is deep so if anybody that's interested into knowing more about juliet maybe wants a soft hypnosis or a hypnosis uh therapy maybe is interested about the program all the information is on wfwrdinstitute.com correct yes awesome Thank you so much for your time, Juliet. We're going to go hang out after the show now. Thank you, everyone that's has been listening to us. We appreciate that. Hope you guys found some knowledge in this episode because I sure did. Yep. See you guys. Bye, Juliet. Bye. Thank you, Juliet.